Hey, good morning, friends. Morning, morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Ray Park, and along with Matt, I'm one of the uh, the pastoral interns here. Matt preached, uh, preached last week, and so Sean Wu is our full-time pastor. Uh, who's on vacation right now. He preaches most Sundays, um, and, and Matt and I have the privilege of preaching every few weeks. And uh, as pastoral, our is to become bivocational ministers, uh, bivocational preachers and pastors sometime soon. And just like we're doing now, we're going to be working full-time while part-time we're serving in, um, in preaching and teaching roles. And uh, actually, our internships are coming to an end soon, hopefully, uh, <laughs> because um, over the next couple of months, we're planning to sit for our written and oral exams. And so if you could pray for us that we would pass those exams, uh, that'd be great. That way we can we can spend our time that we've previous, previously spent studying um, to, to serve you more and to seek God's kingdom here in this language. And um, I'd also like to take this opportunity to, to remind you to give us feedback and to share your thoughts uh, with us about our qualifications as elders. So um, per 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1, Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, uh, Titus 1, um, for me, becoming a pastor is similar to becoming a father. Uh, I think it's super exciting, it's a privilege, but it's really sobering. Uh, because Christians, you all are, are the children of God, right? Um, God loves you, and the shepherding of God's flock is, is a weighty task. Um, so I want to be sure that, that I'm well equipped, um, that I'm qualified, and if you have feedback, please do share with Sean or, or with me in that director. Uh, today we are studying Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 35 through uh, 13, 9. Um, you can grab a blue Bible if you don't have a Bible uh, with you on the middle table. And if you could turn with me there. Again, it's Luke chapter 12, verses 35. In the past couple weeks, Sean and Matt have preached from Luke 12, uh, speaking of our need to reorient our lives in light of who Jesus is and the kingdom of God. Uh, that is coming to this world. So these themes continue in our passage today. Uh, Luke 12, 35 to 39 in the ESV. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left this house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe blood beating. But the one who did not know, 
and did what deserved the beating will receive a life beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him, to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be divided, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hands you over to the officer, and the officer puts you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Were those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of God. Uh, let me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. And we pray that you would open up our hearts and help us to see wondrous things in your word, that we might be strengthened to live um, our lives in faith and in wisdom. We pray in Christ's name. So throughout chapter 12, uh, the Lord Jesus has been instructing his disciples and the crowds around him how they ought to live in light of what is true. For example, it's true that we will all one day die. So it's foolish to lay up riches for ourselves in this life while being poor toward God, because we make this stuff with us anyway. And it's true that God treasures us, so we don't need to be anxious about our life's needs. Uh, instead, we can leave it to him to take care of our needs while we set ourselves to seek his purpose and his kingdom. Right? So we make God's business our business, and God makes his business uh, makes it his business to take care of us. And in our passage today, Jesus is telling us that just as he came about 2,000 years ago uh, to earth, he will come again a second time um, at some point in the future. Therefore, it's foolish to live as if that weren't happening. And uh, instead now, uh, we should hear um, and respond to the gospel. Now is the time to do that. So for today's passage to be useful and effective in our lives, we need, we need faith 
in our hearts. Jesus is telling us about things that we can't learn um, or conclude through our own observation and logic. Jesus is telling us about spiritual things that he sees and knows, uh, but that we are naturally blind to. Is Jesus worthy of, of your trust and my trust? Uh, do you consider him to be dependable for, for something so important as your future life decisions, uh, your future investments? Well, in order for anyone to be trustworthy, they need to, they need to have the will and the skill, right? Uh, they need the skill or the ability and the will uh, they, have, they need the desire to make something to make something happen. So let's say suddenly, for some reason, I was stricken with blindness up here on stage, and I had to rely on, on somebody, one of you guys, to, to walk me down these steps so I don't you know, care myself. Uh, I wouldn't trust a seven-year-old boy uh, to do that, because he's totally capable right, of saying, like, Ray, the first step's coming, next step, be careful, last step, all right, you're good. Um, so although he's able, he's, he might not be willing, because he might take greater pleasure in seeing me fall. Right? And uh, on the other hand, I wouldn't trust my one-year-old daughter, Collateral, because she's, she's, she loves me, she wants me to be safe, she's fully invested in my safety. Um, but she's not able to articulate uh, what is needed with her like, 10 word vocabulary. Right? Um, however, I would trust my wife, I would trust Matt, I would trust all of you guys uh, to be able and willing, um, except maybe Josh. The guy playing guitar, that guy's missionary. <laughs> um, but you know, does God have the skill and the will, right? So Psalm 62, 11 through 12 says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfairly known. So yes, with God, there is the skill and the will. He is powerful and he is loving. And he wants what is best for you, so place your trust in him. The, the passage has five sections, uh, all wrapped all wrapped around the main theme, uh, that now is the time to hear and respond for the gospel. The first section, verse 35 to 48, uh, is about Jesus returning, so, so you must be ready. Verses 49 to 53, Jesus brings not peace, but division in the sinful world. Uh, 54 through 56, interpret the time and respond accordingly, that's what we're called to do. 57 through 59, settle with God before he requires that we pay our debt. And 1 through 9 in chapter 13, repent and bear fruit. So let's, uh, let's look at this first and longest section, verses 35 through 48. Uh, Jesus instructs us in verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. That phrase, stay dressed for action, is literally let your loins stay girded. So uh, in the ancient world, long garments were worn and were drawn up, uh, so they would you know, flow at the bottom of your feet. And when you have to run and get ready, uh, you have to draw them up and like tie them around so you're going to trip up, right? Um, so the internet is wonderful. Here's a quick illustration of how to gird up your loins, okay? Um, you grab your garment, you take it, grab the slack, you pull it out the back between your legs, you grab it on both sides, you put it together, you tie it in the front, now you're ready to run, like, like this guy, right? And um, so that's the lesson of, of today's sermon. Go buy a long garment, buy, burn some lamps, service over, best sermon ever, right? Uh, no, that's, that's, that's some bad teaching. Uh, so the idea of what we have in mind is, uh, is being ready for action, right? That's, again, that's literally what it says, but um, what does that actually mean to say just for action? The Lord uses a few parables to expand on this point. In the first parable, a master has gone to a wedding feast and his servants wait for him to return. 
Uh, weddings are relatively short and scheduled events for us nowadays, usually happening in a day, maybe split into two, like reception and, and uh, ceremony. Uh, but this is, the ancient weddings are more like Indian weddings, right, if, if you know them. They last for days, even for as long as a week. And so the master is off at this wedding party. And uh, he's coming back for sure, but they just don't know when, so the servants are waiting for him. And um, verse 38 talks about the second and third watches of the night. So in the Roman schedule, the, the night hours between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. Uh, were split into four watches. So there's 6 to 9 p.m., uh, 9 to midnight, uh, midnight to, to 3 a.m., and then 3 to 6 a.m. So the second and third watches would be from 9 p.m. To, to 3 a.m. The Jewish schedule actually split it up into three watches, so from 6 to 10 p.m., uh, 10 to 2, and then 2 to 6 a.m., right? So the second and third watches were from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Either way, the point is clear that they were to be prepared when they might not normally be ready uh, to do so, right? You're not normally going to be ready in these hours private sleeping. The second parable speaks of, of a thief breaking into a home, and the thief is actually Jesus. Uh, maybe it's surprising and evocative to think of Jesus as the thief, but remember what parables are. Uh, parables are not strict allegories, where it's like a one-to-one -one correlation between something in the story and something in real life. Parables, uh, they communicate some fundamental point, right? So the point isn't that you know Jesus is going to come and steal your stuff. Uh, the point is that Jesus, the time of Jesus' return is unknown, um, like a thief steal, uh, coming into a home. So uh, in verse 40, Jesus tells us explicitly, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus' return is certain, it's definitely happening, but the timing is unpredictable. We can relate to this in other areas of, of our lives, right? We know something's definitely happening, just not sure when, so we need to stay prepared. Uh, it's like the, that slightly sadistic teacher in school who loved giving pop quizzes, just didn't know when, so you always have to stay on top of your schoolwork, right? Or, or maybe um, you were nine months pregnant, and you were, you're waiting for your baby, uh, you know he or she is coming, you bought the crib, you have the diapers and the clothes already, uh, you get the hospital bag ready, but you don't know exactly when it's happening, so you're just waiting. So that's, that's the situation here. In verse 41, Peter asks a clarifying question. Uh, maybe it was on your mind too. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? So who is this meant for? Uh, is it for us, your disciples, uh, the people who are following you, or just like for the crowds all around you who aren't following you? Uh, Jesus answers indirectly. Uh, he doesn't say, he doesn't give like yes or no here. This actually was a question uh, through the next parable. That this, and the answer is the message is meant for everyone, but especially for those who have knowledge about God. It makes sense that Jesus is addressing everyone. Throughout this chapter, chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but we know that there, there's a crowd, there's a bunch of people around him, you know, all the time. Uh, in the next parable from, from 42 to 48, we see a picture of faithful and unfaithful servants managing their master's household. The servants are described in a few ways. There's the faithful and wise manager who cares for his master's household. There's a deliberately irresponsible servant who beats other servants and gets drunk. 
There are servants who knew their master's will but didn't act accordingly and receive a severe beating, and servants who act against their master's will ignorantly and receive a light beating. Uh, so I like I like charts. Uh, here's a chart that helps visualize what's going on here. There's there's faithfulness on one axis, right, and knowledge on the other, and there's a low end and a high end for for each axis here. So the faithful manager has has high knowledge, high knowledge and high faithfulness, right, upper right quadrant. The severe beating servant has high knowledge uh, but low faithfulness. The light beating servant has low knowledge and low faithfulness. And uh, there isn't anyone for the upper left quadrant in this parable, but if we want to, we could place like young Christians there, maybe. Uh, those who want to be faithful to God are trying to be, but they have a lot of room for growth in terms of knowing God and knowing Scripture, right? Um, so that's what we're looking at. Our aim, of course, is, supposed to, is of course, uh, to be in the upper right quadrant, to know what God's will is and to live faithful. Um, so thinking back about this phrase, about girding our loins, what, what, does it say, what does it mean to stay dressed for action? I think practically uh, it means a couple things. One is to remind ourselves of what is true and to prioritize accordingly. So remind ourselves of what is true and prioritize. Uh, because life is it's a marathon, right? you guys know. Uh, like a marathon, if you start off well, it doesn't really matter. Because if you lose sight of the finish line and the proper route of how to get there, you might get to the end and be like 10 miles off the course, right? Um, our lives, it's a marathon of just like the small day-to-day -day things. We, we go to work, we attend school, uh, there's taking tests, paying bills, watching Netflix, spending time with friends and family, uh, going to college, changing diapers, a bunch of stuff, right? Uh, it's easy to go on autopilot and to drift from my priorities of seeking God's kingdom. So as Christians, we often just need to remind ourselves of what we already know to be true, um, but what hasn't quite blossomed yet in our lives. Uh, so vigilantly remind yourself of what is true, and also be the kind of person uh, who is open to other people of what is true. I, I hope together as a community we can grow um, to be a church that lovingly speaks and receives truth uh, into each other's lives because, uh, because we need it. Uh, so that's the first thing. Second thing um, with staying dressed for action is to take acts of faith, uh, to act in steps of faith. So we need to take concrete steps um, to act out our priorities. So for example, uh, just thinking back about the past couple sermons, you know, you could you could buy the brand new iPhone for like $1,200, right? I think it's like $256 um, gigs. Uh, but you know that the phone is, it's just stuff, right? You're reminding yourself it's just stuff. And your current phone is perfectly fine. So uh, it will last you probably another year or two, and maybe you choose to support a missionary this year for, for $100 a month instead of getting that phone. Okay. Um, or you're driving and someone else almost hits you uh, on the road, which can happen often in Boston. Uh, so you want to get out in front and cut them off and you know, show them the business. But, uh, but you remember that God created that person in his image, and therefore he is inherently valuable. right? And you remember how much God has been patient with you and forgiven you. So, um, you forgive them in your heart, uh, you stay self-controlled, right? And uh, so that might be a couple of things that we see. Why might we fail to be faithful servants? Why might we fail to be, to be in that upper right quadrant? One reason is we, we just might lack knowledge, right? We just might not know. Um, if that's the case, 
all we need to do is, is ask and seek because God delights to give us good things. In Matthew chapter 7, we read, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Right? Um, so we can grow in knowledge if God delights to give us that knowledge. But we need to be faithful to it, right? We need to stay true to, uh, to live out what we've learned. That's one reason. Another reason is uh, maybe a lack of captivation. As Christians, we know we should be eagerly awaiting our master's return. But sometimes we're just more excited about other things. Um, sometimes I'm just more excited about that new iPhone, right? We're, we're too captivated by the things of this world and not enough on the life to come. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy the things of this world because God made them. God made them for us to enjoy. They're good things. Uh, but we should recognize that our final destination is heaven. And this world is, is ultimately poisoned by sin, and it will pass away. Uh, our world is full of sickness and poverty. It's full of uh, natural disasters. Uh, I, was, I was in India last week, and um, one of the cities, Chennai, is... They're running out of water. That was happening in uh, Cape Town last year, right? You have like major cities of like, each night like 9 million people running out of water. Uh, there, I think there's some government report saying that like maybe some 21 cities will be running out of groundwater in India by like 2020. It's insane. And um, so we have that happen. There's, there's a lot of inequality and injustice in our world. And then, I mean, not least, there's, there's our own sick hearts. There's my sick heart, where you know, every day I need to battle self-centeredness and pride, right? I can't feel that. It's not going away. Um, but with the Lord Jesus, there is hope. There's hope beyond what we have here. Um, he died for us to secure our salvation, including a new heaven and a new earth. He, he thinks about us, and he intercedes for us on our behalf. When Jesus returns, all judged and held accountable, so everything that's unjust, um, unequal, uh, we can entrust to him. We will receive new heavenly bodies and live forever, living with purpose and love and community because he loved us and gave himself for us. You know that, that Jesus loves you. Uh, one of my favorite things right now with, with my daughter, Caladriel, uh, when, when we ask her yes or no questions, sometimes you know, she'll say yes, but she simply grunts, hmm, that's her, that's her yes, right? So if she says that, she means yes. Uh, and when I ask her, you know that daddy loves you? She'll just say, hmm, right? And uh, no hesitation, just, mm, uh, which is very sweet. I love that, right? Uh, she just takes it, takes it for granted. Um, do you know that Jesus loves you? He gave up his, his privileged spot, um, his blessed place in heaven, to become a helpless and dirty baby. Um, he grew up in this world as a perfect man before God, uh, like a lamb without blemish. Then like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter on our behalf so that we could be forgiven. So I want you to have less joy in this world, but, but more joy, lasting joy, um, overflowing joy in the Lord. Um, so where, where are you in, in that chart that I showed earlier? Um, have you heard about Jesus and decided to respond to him yet? Are you being faithful 
with, with what God has given you, what he has revealed to you, both in the big decisions and in the little decisions of life? Uh, is there anything that God has been saying to you through his word uh, that you've, you've been ignoring or disobeying? Remember, disobedience comes in, in two forms. It can be um, sins of commission or sins of omission, right? Um, you can actively commit a sinful act, or you can passively omit or fail to obey, right? So if I go to uh, I go to collateral, she's playing with her for trains, and I tell her, you know, it's time to eat dinner, uh, let's, let's go to the table. She could either freak out and start throwing Thomas engines at my head and like start screaming and running away, um, or she could simply say like, I'm good, Daddy. Like, you go ahead, you do you, I'll do me. Like, I'm fine. Okay. Either way, that would be disobedience. Um, so some of us with God tend to go uh, kicking and screaming. Uh, hard for him. Others simply just turn away with a smile and, and with a friendly way, right? Uh, but either way, those are, those are both acts of rejection to God, um, who, have, who made us and has authority over us. Um, so let's, let's keep looking at our passage Let's look at 49, verse 49 through 52. It says, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already committed. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be divided. There will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. A couple of things to point out in these verses. Uh, first, Jesus came not to give peace on earth, but division. Uh, this might seem surprising. I mean, earlier in the, in, uh, in the book, in Luke chapter 2, at the birth of Jesus, angels appeared to shepherds and declared to them, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So how do we reconcile these seemingly different purposes? Well, it's true that Jesus brings peace to earth because he offers to us peace with God. Uh, but this is a peace that we either choose to receive or reject by receiving or rejecting him, right? And our decision on, on that will determine our relationship with the world around us. Uh, this world, it, it's not neutral towards God, but it is at enmity with him. Uh, it is in hostility. Therefore, those who receive Jesus and are at peace with God will be at enmity with the world uh, around us. And, and that's why there's, there's division. Right? It's like we're all fish swimming, uh, swimming one way downstream, and then we realize that we've been swimming the wrong way towards food, and we turn around, and now we're going against the flow of, of everyone else. Right? Uh, this division happens not just between like, acquaintances, friends, coworkers. But Jesus is saying that it goes into the family, the most intimate of relationships. So be warned that there, there is a cost to following Jesus. And one of them is, is this division. It's not the easiest or safest journey uh, to go with Jesus, but it's, it's good and it's worth it. Uh, even though you might lose the good opinion of others or relationships with them, you gain God. Um, you gain the one who loves you. Psalm 2710 comforts us. Uh, it says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Uh, second, in these verses, here we have an example of Jesus wanting something 
but having to wait for it. He wants to bring the fire of the vision uh, on the earth. He wants to cast it. He wants to um, get to his goal, bring about his purposes. And he has great distress until his baptism, uh, his, his death on the cross, where he experiences God's wrath. Um, so he can accomplish that. But he has to wait. And, and I think that this is a comforting thing for us. Right? Have, you, have you ever wanted something and not gotten it? Either in the timing, you want it faster than God's giving it to you, or God actually says no to you. Right? Be comforted because Jesus knows how you feel. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So you can, you can cast your hardships on Jesus. He knows what you're going through. He, he understands it. And, um, and I, I find that super comforting because um, even though people have experienced similar things to you, no one's ever experienced you know, your specific uh, situations in life, right? but Jesus knows. After this, uh, we have verses 54 through 56. Uh, the, the people in these verses, Jesus points out, they were able to forecast the weather based on what they saw. So in this passage, we have like a bunch of stories, a bunch of parables put together, and this one is about forecasting weather. And uh, Israel was located to the east of the Mediterranean Sea. So when a cloud arose from the west, that would mean rain uh, on the land. And south of Israel was the desert. So when a south wind blew up, that meant the desert heat uh, would be coming up and, and frying that land. I, I think that's what's happening in like Europe right now, like they have a huge wave. Um, so the crowds were able to predict these things easily. Um, yet to Jesus and his signs, they were still blind. Um, Jesus is born at the house of David. Uh, he's born from a virgin mother. He preaches with authority, casts out demons, he heals the sick and raises the dead, and still Jesus did not command the hearts of all those in the crowd. Still they failed to enter into God's kingdom. And, and like the crowds, we should see the signs around us and not be blind, but be wise. And the next short story is in verse 57 through 59. We see a parable of someone being dragged to the judge by his accuser. Um, so here the point is that uh, we should be motivated to see and respond to the signs of God's kingdom um, because we are all God's debtors. Right? Um, our sin demands justice from God, who is holy and just. And God has offered us a way out of paying this debt through his son, uh, who has died for us, uh, who paid it for us, and so we can settle accounts with God to be forgiven. And now is the time to do that because um, yeah, we all of us owe a debt to God, and the time is limited. God is being gracious, but um, the need is urgent to do that quickly. This is echoed in, in the last chunk of our passage, uh, in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 13. So we read of a couple of tragic events first. Uh, these events aren't reported elsewhere, uh, but we read one of where Jewish pilgrims were killed while offering their sacrifices, and another where a tower fell and killed 18 people. So uh, amidst these stories, there's an underlying assumption by the people that being a worse sinner leads to greater judgment from God or greater suffering, right? 
So of course you can't see the sin, but if you see that someone's really suffering or is being judged, they must be a really bad sinner. Um, but, and, and along with that, there might be some self-justification and pride from these guys, right, who are pointing it out. Um, they might think, you know, like they died like that, but, but I'm still here, so they must have been bad. I, I must be better than them, right? Um, and maybe they're thinking to Jesus, you know, all this judgment talk, Jesus, it's only for the really simple people, right? Like not me, it must be for those guys. Uh, but Jesus points this assumption out and he denies it, right? He says that's not true. Uh, the Lord flips this conversation on its head in a way that, that he's so good at doing. He doesn't delve further into a couple things that he could have. He doesn't delve into this belief that worse things happen uh, to, to worse people. He doesn't get political, right? Because in the first tragedy, uh, Pilate, uh, a Roman official is the one who, who kills these uh, people. But Jesus points to the spiritual reality that they'll all die in this life. The real tragedy is dying ultimately before God, who has the power to cast us away from him forever. So have, have you guys played Mario Kart? I'm, hopefully most people have played Mario Kart. Um, you get weapons in Mario Kart, it's a racing game. And all these weapons, all these items, you get them by driving through an item box and you can get like banana skins, turtle shells, mushrooms, etc. And one of the weapons is a thunderclap. Uh, I hate it because it's an anti-weapon, right? It doesn't help you, but it hurts you. And uh, after a few seconds, it's just something cloud up over you and the cloud will zap you with thunder and it shrinks you down, makes you slower, um, and that's what happens. It hurts you. Uh, unless in those few seconds before you get zapped, you pass it off to somebody else by bumping into them, right? Um, and, and the thunder cloud will transfer over to them, and then you get to share your love that way. So the people in the crowd are saying, man, those people who died really must have deserved that thunder cloud, but the rest of us are fine. And Jesus is correcting them to say, no, like what's actually happening is like everyone has a thundercloud, right? Everyone has a thundercloud above your heads. And it's only a matter of time for the lightning's going to strike you. And Jesus is saying, pass it on to me, right? Um, you should repent, turn away from your sins. Don't die, but pass it on to me. And, uh, and Jesus finishes with this parable about a fig tree. Uh, there's an owner of the vineyard. And he's allowed this fig tree to grow for years and take up space and resources, only to find out that it has never borne fruit. It's, it's a useless tree. Um, so it might seem like harsh or, or not compassionate, but it's kind of a wise decision. You're growing a bunch of trees, and it's the wisest thing to, to get rid of this thing and put another plant in there uh, that will take its place and actually produce something, right? Uh, but the vine dresser, uh, the guy who's managing this, this vineyard, uh, has compassion. He says, sir, let it alone this year also. And so I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So the tree is given the opportunity to change and bear fruit. Again, the time is short, but the opportunity is there for them. So God, God has given all of us the opportunity to, to repent and live for that time is short. Now is the time to, to repent and believe and bear fruit. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now a day of salvation. 
now is the time to repent for all of us, um, to turn away from our life of rebellion and indifference to God, to turn away from our sin, to rely on Jesus to save us from our sin, uh, from its penalty and power and its presence in our lives. Um, I'll, I'll end with, with a story from Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, he's, a, he's a 19th century philosopher, and, uh, and he has a, he wrote a story about some geese. So in this story, the, the geese are like us. They can think, they can talk, they even go to church. That's uh, great. And every week, they would go to church, and every week they heard the pastor preach. Uh, their geese pastor would preach of the glorious destiny of geese, that, that they had wings high away to the distance they belonged, for they were only pilgrims on this earth. Uh, the sermons were, were essentially the same each week, right? Um, he kept on preaching about these wings that they had. Every week the geese would go to church, listen to the sermon, they would respond reverently, and every week after church the geese would waddle back home. And uh, I encourage you not to waddle back home, right? Uh, but to consider what Jesus says in our passage today. Will you accept or reject what he says? For the many of us who have accepted, who our lives show that we're living in accordance with what we hope to be true, how do we remind ourselves and try to live it out? Uh, I hope that each of us will, will not delay, uh, but determine to be faithful and wise servants of our Lord Jesus. So please take a moment to consider the message and we'll continue our service with the prayers of the people.